Welcome back to Mortgage Genomics Canada. I'm your host, Marco Gello. I'm a duly licensed mortgage broker in British Columbia and Alberta, born and raised in Calgary, currently living in North Vancouver. If you are from either of these provinces and require any mortgage-related services, please do not hesitate to contact me. Call or text me right now at 604-800-9593. 604-800-9593. One application, one credit check, and access to Canada's top lenders. All right. Welcome back, everyone. Um, today's headliner topic, I'm going to talk about uh, cosigner or guarantor. What's the difference and what are the consequences? But before we get to that, here's what's on my mind this week. Foreign buyer tax. Is it working? Um, first of all, just a recap on what the foreign buyer's tax is uh, here in Vancouver, commonly referred to as the BC foreign buyer tax. Um, and I believe it's extending in different parts of the country as well. I think Ontario has it as well. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, there's talk about uh, about it being extended to other parts in the country. Um, so not only is it here in Vancouver, it's in Victoria as well. And uh, yeah, all of Metro Vancouver. And what it is, uh, it's a tax, a 20% tax that's added to the property transfer tax, which you already have to pay. Um, when a foreign citizen or non-permanent resident of Canada purchases a residential property in Metro Vancouver. So this was brought up um, a few years ago. In it was in 2016, and it was brought up to curtail the the you know the the rising the, the escalation of uh, real estate prices here in Vancouver. You know, thinking that all the foreigners were coming in and taking up all the properties, and uh, because of that, um, our, our inventory was significantly reduced. In this, uh, this was put into effect to see if uh, you know what maybe this is the the answer and. Um, I don't think it's really having a, a big impact, but there there appears to be evidence that the the hefty foreign buyer tax on real estate purchases seems to be having some type of impact, but only on a slim minority that are not equipped with, let's say, lawyers and accountants who would help them identify and take advantage of loopholes, because apparently there are tons of loopholes. Um, if you've got a a team of, of, of these lawyers and accountants that can make that happen for you. There's there's apparently ways ways around it. Um, I don't know if they're fully legal, ethical ways, but there are ways and people are taking advantage of it. So I personally had a handful of people reach out to me through my website to ask if they are eligible for mortgages. They were planning a move to Vancouver, um, you know, from various parts of the world. And surprisingly, most of them had employment lined up here upon their uh, arrival and uh, good solid employment to boot. With their temporary residence status, in, in most cases this is a work visa, they are certainly eligible to qualify for a mortgage with as little as 5% down. So there's mortgage programs, no doubt, that will accommodate for this. But here's the kicker, as long as they hold a temporary residence status, and what I mean by that. Um, is that they are not permanent residents, which is basically the entry point to becoming a Canadian citizen. So as long as um, they are temporary resident status, they are on the hook for an additional 20% down on top of the minimum down payment of 5%. But the additional 20% I'm talking about, I'm calling it down payment, but it's not... It's not really a down payment that is applied against your home equity. It's, it's a tax 
and bang, this is where the ambition to purchase a property stops dead in its tracks. Unless, of course, as I mentioned earlier, the foreign buyer has a team of, of whoever who basically find loopholes that basically allow the foreign buyer to circumvent or avoid that 20% tax. And I just read here, it's 15% in, in Ontario or Toronto. Um, I have no idea what these loopholes are. I just read an article in the, in the Sun saying that, you know, there apparently was a realtor who was promoting ways around this. And um, yeah, it's kind of very gray area or whatever. But all I know is that there are loopholes and they are being uh, used or taken advantage of. So apparently it is super hard to track the amount of foreign buyer trickery going on. But many believe it is significant. A lot of um, fishy business going on there. So, um, you know, I've personally had a, a few great applicants in the past couple of weeks not be able to purchase a property. And um, these are, are people who are intending to become Canadian citizens who want to make a life here in Canada. And, and this is stopping them dead in their tracks. But you know what? I've also heard of... Uh, other other instances where you know properties are still being purchased and um and, and i believe people are, are taking a kind of a backdoor approach to it but anyhow that's uh that's all speculation my take on that as i'm editing this episode and listening to my bit here on uh, foreign buyer tax i just want to clarify basically what i'm saying is that and this is from speculative and non-conclusive sources, you know, like newspapers, words of word of mouth, and, and that sort of thing, um, and, all, and personal testament from from realtors that I know as well. But I'm in the where there's smoke, there's fire camp on this, and um, these are for sure people that are totally sidestepping the foreign buyer tax, and everyone knows it. The question is how many, and I just want to make it clear, I'm not condoning this in any way. I loosely use the word loopholes. In my talk here uh, but just want to make clear I am not referring to legitimate loopholes um, yeah we're talking you know these are likely illegal or fraudulent type loopholes and this really came to life for me as I was talking with some awesome people who are temporary residents happen to be temporary residents who clearly want to live in Canada and become Canadian citizens and are ready to purchase a property in Vancouver um, and as I mentioned, they can do so as temporary residents, the, as temporary citizens or residents. There are mortgages to do this, but they will be subject to the 20% foreign buyer tax. Um, and of course, these people don't have those resources. You know, many of them have 5 to 10% down payment. So then to avoid this tax, they must simply wait until they officially become permanent residents. And this could take some time, maybe an, an extra year or two, or for others, it can take even longer. And in this regard, fair is fair. There's the, you know, the thing called foreign buyer tax and, and we have to live with it. That, that's fine. But what isn't fair is this mysterious group that sidesteps the actual tax and purchases properties in a disingenuous scheming kind of way. Um, so there has to be a better way of tracking this because from my personal experience as a mortgage broker talking with prospective clients, clients um, there are temporary residents that are temporary residents. They're following the rules. They are following the rules. The people that I'm talking to are following the rules. But it's this other group that have the resources who advise them on how to essentially cover or disguise their foreign buyer status to achieve their means of buying real estate. 
And that's the part not cool, right? I'm not behind that at all. And, and I don't get it. To me, it's an easy fix. Insert more requirements when people purchase a property. Like for starters, legit ID. Apparently, a lot of this has to do with people purchasing properties as corporations,、um, which are independent entities in itself, rather than purchasing as individuals. So, individuals are easy to track and verify, but corporations, total different story, as they are separate legal entities. And a corporation is not referred to as an individual. There are lots of good applications to incorporate, for sure. Not paying taxes or reducing your, your taxation hit is one of them, for sure. But they can also be used to mask intentions and identities, as is likely the case with the foreign buyer's tax. Anyhow, just wanted to clarify my take on this. Enjoy the rest of the episode.、Um, City Hall. City Hall is another great article I read from.、Uh, I don't know where I read this from, but.、Uh, This particular Vancouver City Hall counselor, her name is Colleen Hardwick, and she believes that the City Hall is the biggest culprit to home affordability. And、uh, here are some of the quotes from the article City Hall's addiction to the revenues generated by rezoning continues to inflate land values. It takes too long to get permits and applications approved, and city charges and fees can add up to $200 per square foot or more to building costs. It's pretty ridiculous. Here's another one. Frankly, the existing zoning in Vancouver is more than able to handle the real population growth expected in the future. I don't know about that. But City Hall is addicted to the revenues that come with rezoning, and those extra costs are passed on to the homebuyer and pricing this city out of reach of Vancouverites. If you're buying a 1,000 square foot condo, you can expect that about $200,000 of the additional cost is directly related to City Hall. Meanwhile, everyone at City Hall says they are committed to affordable housing. 100% agree with that statement. Like, wow, $200,000. I don't know how much of that is true, but a 1,000 square foot condo, she's saying that $200,000 of that price is because of City Hall and, and all the. Bureaucratic stuff you have to go through to get the deal done, to, to get that property rezoned and, and built and permitting and rezoning and all that stuff.、Um, so, yeah, get your act together, City Hall.、Um, I've, I've thought this all along. I, I think many people are lobbying to the, to the wrong level of government federally, where I think we have to see more protests and lobbying directed to the municipalities. Canada, especially in, of course, the, the higher priced cities where affordability is like a super crazy issue these days.、Uh, another quote from that article Politicians and staff at City Hall say they are all for affordable housing, but then they do anything and everything in their power to make it less affordable, added Hardwick. It reinforces my strong belief that City Hall views Vancouverites as ATM machines and there's no real interest. At 12th and Camby, where the city hall is, when it comes to making our city more affordable for Vancouverites. Yeah, I agree. Another quote If we really want affordable housing, we need to focus on three things. Number one, sticking with existing zoning for a time rather than more rezoning that continues to push up the price of land. Number two, reining in and rationalizing the cost of development permits. 
building permits, and community amenity charges, all of which add more and more cost to the final price of a home. And number three, and we definitely need to reduce the time it takes to approve projects because after all, time is money. So yeah, that is the reality. Um, and, and that's something that's not really talked about. We, we keep chasing after, uh, you know, I think the provincial government attempts to come out with some silly affordability plan. So does the federal government. Um, there was that, uh, that where the federal government becomes a partner in your purchase and they, it, it's, it's kind of smoke and mirrors. It's perceived that they're lending you money for a down payment or they're going to help reduce your cost where essentially they're just like another bank involved in your mortgage transaction. So um, I, I think the real solutions are at City Hall and, um, and, and that's where we got to focus on. And finally, interest rates. No real activity to report on um, throughout the summer, so not much change there. However, possibly expect some activity when summer ends. Uh, according to the latest reports, you could expect some activity in the fixed rate department. Um, I agree, but I still think it will be marginal and sideways for a few years to come. But regardless of it being marginal, I think it's still going to excite the real estate markets, um, probably probably to a limited extent. But nonetheless, it will continue to keep real estate markets across Canada on its toes. Uh, some recent economic indicators are saying to expect a hike in prime rate as early as the beginning of 2022. To me, that sounds about right. Um, we'll see. And if or when it does occur, I would expect the hike to jump up by a quarter point to 2.70% from where it is today, 2.45%, and that's prime rate. All right, so that's it uh, for this part here. Let's begin and discuss this week's headliner, cosigner or guarantor. What's the difference and what are the consequences? Wondering whether to proceed with a fixed or a variable mortgage? Why not pick both? There's a mortgage just for that. In fact, there's a mortgage that allows you the flexibility to configure it any way you desire. I call them hybrid mortgages. So let's say you have a $500,000 mortgage. If you wanted to, you could configure it so that $200,000 is allocated in a five-year fixed rate, $100,000 as a five-year variable, and the remaining $200,000 as a home equity line of credit. And better yet, every year you receive a detailed statement from the lender that outlines the cumulative interest charges for each configured mortgage. If you want to learn more, shoot me a text or give me a ring at 604-800-9593. 604-800-9593. Or look me up at homefinancingsolutions.ca. One application, one credit check, and access to Canada's top lenders. And now, back to the episode. With real estate prices soaring across the country, many applicants are seeking assistance when it comes to qualifying for a mortgage. More commonly, the assistance comes in the form of gifted down payments from the bank of mom and dad. But coming in a close second these days is the addition of applicants to help combat the rigid income qualification criteria. You have likely heard of the term cosigner. This is the 11th hour addition to a mortgage application, usually mom or dad. That gives the qualification effort that extra little boost required to get the main applicants over the hump. But what many people don't know is that there are two types of co-applicants and various conditions and characteristics associated with each one, a co-signer and a guarantor. Here are the distinguishing factors of both. Key characteristics of a guarantor. Guarantors are usually added to an application when the main applicants can sufficiently qualify based on their income but instead 
have some problematic credit issues or a recent credit derogatory that has hindered their overall credit score. A guarantor would be added to the application but would not have the same property rights as the main applicants. They would not be added to the land title and would therefore not be linked with the property in any way. It is unclear as to whether lenders report the mortgage on the guarantor's credit report. Some lenders do, others don't. This could therefore become an issue if the guarantor is planning on purchasing more real estate, with the assistance of a mortgage, that is. Always inquire with a lender regarding their policy on credit reporting for guarantors. However, as they are added to the mortgage, they are therefore liable should the main applicants default on the payments. In the event that the main applicants could no longer make mortgage payments, the lender could very well come after the guarantor. Key Characteristics of a Cosigner Cosigners are added to an application when the main applicants require additional income to qualify for the mortgage, as opposed to guarantors who come onto the application to basically vouch for the main applicant due to a past credit issue but are good on their own income to qualify. As with guarantors, cosigners assume liability in the event of mortgage payment defaults. However, unlike guarantors, cosigners inherit property rights along with the main applicants. They are required to be on land title. Cosigners can definitely expect their name on the land title of the subject property and also a line item facility reporting in their credit report for the full mortgage amount liability. Other key points. Cosigners are impacted from future mortgage qualifications by cosigning on a mortgage. Their borrowing power will decrease as long as they are on the application or on the mortgage. Check with your mortgage provider to discuss the extent of your diminished borrowing power. Guarantors could also be affected in the same manner depending on whether the lender chooses to report to the guarantor's credit bureau. Almost all lenders allow for cosigners, but fewer allow for guarantors. Don't assume that the lender you are currently working with allows for guarantors. Find out ahead of time in case you are quickly required to pivot. As cosigners are required to be on title of the mortgage property, they could, however, set their percentage of overall ownership. For example, let's say a father cosigns for his son on a mortgage. In British Columbia, they could allocate 1% ownership to the father and 99% to the son, or whatever ratio ownership they decide upon. The ownership ratio could also be applied in order to salvage or maximize the main applicant's first-time homeowner privileges and rebates. Inquire with your provincial jurisdiction regarding the ability to modify the ratio of property ownership. Reasons to be a guarantor. To avoid potential tax consequences. One may not want to be on title of the property so as to avoid a potential capital gains tax upon the sale of it. Being on title can also result in potential estate planning issues. If a property holder dies, things could potentially get complicated. I'm just skimming the surface on these two scenarios and am not a tax expert, so be sure to consult with your lawyer or accountant to fully understand all potential and legal consequences. How to remove a cosigner and guarantor. Both a cosigner and guarantor can be removed from a mortgage and land title as soon as the main applicants can officially qualify on their own merit. This could occur at any time throughout the life cycle of the mortgage and as early as 30 days after the mortgage is officially secured, the completion date. The main applicants would have to provide updated income documents 
or updated credit pulls to confirm that they can fulfill the qualification criteria on their own merit. Once this is confirmed with the lender, the lender re-instructs the mortgage to the solicitor to renew registration with the land title's office, thereby removing the cosigner from title. That's all I got today. Call or text me anytime if you have any mortgage questions at all, especially if you're in British Columbia or Alberta as I am licensed to service these specific provinces. And especially if you are from Vancouver or Calgary as I am very familiar with these markets. Call or text me at 604-800-9593 or you can visit my website at homefinancingsolutions.ca. Thank you again for tuning into Mortgageonomics Canada. Stay well everyone. Talk again soon.